Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. So thanks for being here. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out with me. We're going to be in John chapter 10 in just a moment. So John 10 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, you can scan the little QR code on the seat in front of you, and it will take you to the Scriptures, and there's uh, notes for today. There's links to things we'll be talking about that you may want to sign up for, different information, different things like that. But uh, we are... uh, going through the book of John. We're taking our time walking through, doing this idea of come and see who Jesus is. Because John wrote it to tell us who he is and about his divinity and the character of Jesus and the things he said. And today we're going to see something that Jesus said that uh, you might not like, you might love, you may hate, but I know a lot of people hate it. And so we're going to see what he said in a moment. But I have got a question for you, okay? So the first question that I have for you is this. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where your beliefs or your faith or your convictions put you at odds with people around you? You ever found that? Right? Maybe you're a teenager, you're a young person, you're in high school, and you're trying to stand up, have firm belief and faith in, in God and, and, and the things he teaches you and the things you learn at church and your parents have taught you, and it puts you at odds with many in your culture at school, and it, you can choose to stand up, you can choose to be quiet, you can choose to join them in what they believe, and we're going to talk about today, what, what should we be doing? But maybe as an adult, you find yourself at odds with the culture. I don't know about many of you, but I look back and I see like, um, like you hardly recognize the world we're living in. It's not very similar to the world you grew up in. And the faith and the teaching, even the words don't mean the same thing, right? They have different terminologies. And then you're at odds with the world and you find yourself, what do I do? How do I respond? Maybe you're an older person and you're at odds with your kids or your family and, and your grandchildren and you don't even, you're, you're just at odds. You can't even be on the same page with them because of their beliefs and your beliefs. And, and it's a hard way to live. It's a hard thing, but we have to. We're gonna, we see this because here's what we know. The scripture teaches us this, that in our journey of faith, in our walk, following Jesus, we're going to find this, that we will encounter reactions to Jesus, um, different reactions to Jesus's claims. There will be many reactions to his claims. And we know that Jesus said this. He said, you will be hated by everyone because of me. Did you love that? Isn't that exciting? Who wants to sign up? You will be hated by who? Everyone. Now, that is, isn't that hard for anybody? Anybody here like to be liked? I like to be liked. I want to be liked by people. And I want to, people to, you know, be friendly. And I want to be liked by everyone. But Jesus makes it very clear. And we're going to see today, if you follow him, you're going to be hated by people. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's an important scripture in our culture today because there's a lot of pressure to give in to follow, to be quiet and just follow in with the crowd. Well, today we're going to see this, that your actions when people reject Jesus can either draw people to him or push them away. 
What you do when people reject Jesus, because they end up rejecting you too, is what you do is extremely important. It can draw people to him or it can push them away. Some of you right now, you're in this situation, you're trying to figure out how do I respond to my child who does not believe what I believe? How do I respond to this person I was in a relationship with and I thought they believed the same thing and they don't? And, and way, the way you interact with people is extremely important. We want to be disciple makers, right? Because Jesus said, go make disciples. So how do we be hated and make disciples at the same time? How do we interact with people who don't want to interact with us? Well, we're going to see today from this scripture because the way they treated Jesus is the way they're going to treat us. And we can learn a lot from what Jesus says and how he responds to people. All right. So how do we stand firm to the end? when everything's against us. Let's, let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us through the word today. So if you'll just close your eyes and I want you to ask God to speak to you. Father, we come before you and humbly, we say for right now, you are the creator, we are the creation. You are the king, you are the servant. You are the maker, we are the maid. You are the Lord, we are your, your servants. Lord, you are the wise one, we are the learners. And we pray today, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see what we need to see about ourself, about you, and about the world. Open our ears to hear your voice as we'll learn about today and listening and to the shepherd of the, and hearing your voice. Lord, would you show us what we need to hear and see, help us to hear it. Lord, would you open our mind, expand our understanding. And Lord, we know this. <laughs> That you're the one that opens our eyes and our ears and our hearts and minds. So would you open them tonight, today? And Lord, would you open our heart to experience all that you want us to experience and to live differently and be changed? So Lord, get me out of the way. I pray the Holy Spirit, you would come now. You would teach. You would speak. You would do what only you can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So John 10 is where we're going to be. We're picking up in John 10. We've gone through, spent several weeks in John 8 and then 9 and then 10. And we saw where Jesus was at the Feast of the Tabernacles, important holiday for the Jews. And they, he had been teaching and he got hated and they wanted to kill him. I mean, Jesus was always saying things that offended people. And he's going to say something again today that offends people. But now we pick up a little later in the story. He's not at the Feast of Tabernacles. He's at another holiday in a different place. So let's see what he says. John 10, verse 22, says, Then came the feast, or the festival of dedication, or that's the holiday, that's Hanukkah. It's December. The fe- came the feast of dedication. And at Jerusalem, it was winter, so it was cold, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. So this is an important f- f- building established by um, Solomon and the temple and when he first built it. And there's this big, huge covered area that had a lot of columns on, on it and had a big roof. And people would gather there to hear teachers and, and debate faith and religion and, and talk about politics. It was an important area of, of the temple. So they would go there and, and just hang out. So here is Jesus in the middle of winter there having a conversation. And here's what it says. The Jews who were there gathered around him. So imagine them huddling up and and they say, so how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me. He says, listen, you see what I've done. There should be enough evidence. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Now, last week we learned 
Remember when Jesus was talking about my sheep hear my voice, they follow me, the importance of that. One of the most important things we can do in our life is to learn to hear God's voice and follow him. That's essential. Most important prayer you can pray for your kids, your family member. Lord, help them hear your voice and follow him. It's essential to being a follower of Jesus. Here's what he says next. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given to me is greater, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. They didn't like what he had to say. And let me just make a little remark right here. I love this scripture, man. If you're ever struggling in your faith and wondering where's God at in your life and you love him and you're wondering where God's at and does he still, and you wonder if he loves, still loves you. This scripture gives us a promise that you do not have a grip on God. He's got a grip on you and nothing will snatch you from his hands. That's a promise that we can take to the grave right there, that God is the one that opens our heart and opens our mind and opens our ears and he gets a grip on us and we are his. And Jesus says, all that the Father have given me, they're never gonna lose them. Let's keep reading. Verse 31, he says, again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you wanna stone me? like, hey, I've healed people, given people sight. I've done all these things. Uh, which one of these are you killing me for? We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And Jesus answered them. If it is, and he explains to him, he says, it's not written, is it not written in your law? I have said you are God's. So this comes from Psalms. There's a scripture talks referencing this. And he says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? He says, if God even references you as like gods, what about the one who is God and came? Shouldn't he be called God? That's what he's saying. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my father. He says, listen, if, if I was just saying these things, don't believe it. But if you see the works, look at the evidence. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Jesus would have probably been a really good football player because no one could ever grab him. Right? He's like, I mean, tag football. What, he can, they were like, he's always getting away. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. And there he stayed and many people came to him. And they said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. So what do we learn from the scripture? It's what we see. First of all, Jesus is a polarizing figure. He's a very polarizing figure and he elicits strong emotions and reactions. You have some people who hear his words and they want to pick up stones and they want to kill him. Twice in this one conversation, they try to grab him and they're like, let's kill this guy. He's a, his words are false. He's blaspheming. And then you see people who hear his words and go, these are life. These are 
this is bread. This is peace. He is the son of God. And it says, and they put their, their faith in him. He says these things. And so you have totally different polarizing reactions. And we see the same thing today, don't we? We see, see, we see some like yourself who believe his words. You hear his words and you see them as life and hope and they give you peace. And then you wonder why are others over here thinking his words are lies and deception and, and they cannot believe it and they hate you for believing it. His words are polarizing. What did he say in this scripture that made them so mad? It's a lot of the same things people today get offended by. Two things he said. First thing is this. First thing he said is this. I and the Father are one. This is important because he's saying, I, I'm like, I'm God. We're one. Now to the Jews, this was offensive because they had this monotheistic belief that God is just one. There's just the Father. There's no Son. There's no Holy Spirit. It is just God. So for him to say, I and the Father are one, they're like, if he's there and you're here, that doesn't go inside, that doesn't mesh with our faith. So they get offended. They're like, oh, now we know you're not truly the Son of God or a God because he can't be in two places. He's not, he's one to God. Now today, this statement that Jesus is God, that he's one with God, is offensive to a lot of people. To some who don't believe in a God, they're like, first of all, I don't believe in a God. Your idea that there is a God and anybody could be a God, just loony. You're just all a bunch of lunatics who believe this, that Jesus could be God. So they just set it aside. But then maybe those who think, they're agnostic in their faith and they believe this, that, you know, okay, maybe there is a God. You can look at the world and see the creation and the order and but there's not a God that we can know and definitely not a man who came from heaven named Jesus could be God. So they just kind of push that aside. And you have a different people who believe different things. Maybe those who believe that there are a lot of pathways to a God and Jesus is just one of them. That he's just one of the ways and you can follow Muhammad, you can follow Buddha, you can follow whatever you want and, and we just all end up in the same place and, God, and for Jesus to, to claim that he is God, they just reject it right out. He's just a good teacher. So they reject or maybe, maybe someone's childhood has grown up, you've grown up in this way and you've heard that where Jesus claims to be God and all that he says here and you're just like, that's ridiculous. In a secular world, and by the way, our world is becoming more and more secular where God is not a part of it. In the secular world, God is not a part of it. All you have to do is watch TV or watch any shows, basically, and God's not even a part of the picture. And so if you grow up and that's, your, that's where you get your theology, is from TV and culture, and you hear about a God and name Jesus and a man, then you don't have any room in your, in your worldview for a God. So to hear this, like, Jesus, God, this is ridiculous. And so maybe you reject him. And then he says something else that causes people to reject him. He says this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. So they pick up stones and they want to kill him. Like, how can he give eternal life? Only God gives eternal life. And so those who have no worldview where there is a God, then the idea of there being eternal life is just like, hey, this is it. There's nothing else. There's, this is all there is. So you just reject it right out. 
Or maybe you have a pluralistic view that says there are many ways to God, many ways you just follow them and, and all the religions kind of lead to the same place. Or you have a, a, a worldview that says, a universalist worldview, and it says this, that in the end, God's just going to save people anyway because how could a good, loving God send anybody to hell? But Jesus says, I give people eternal life. And there's one way to eternal life. And so people today, they don't like this because it's not inclusive enough. It closes the door. It narrows the gap and says the, the way and says there's one way and it's through him. And so people hate it and they reject it. And here's what they do. When they reject Jesus's words, if you believe them, they reject you too. They say, how can you believe in a, such a <laughs> non-inclusive God? How can you believe in this foolishness? Can't you look around and just see this is all there is? What evidence do you have that there is a God? And so they just push it out. And here's what they think. You are a fool for believing in him. And in our culture today, it's becoming more and more prominent as if you stand up and say, I believe Jesus is the son of God and he is the only way to heaven, you are not accepted. Have you experienced that in your own life? So just as in Jesus's times, some today will believe in and some will hear those truths and hear the words and say, this is true, I believe it. And God opens their eyes and their ears and they hear it, but then there will be others who oppose it and they will reject you. And for us people pleasers, that's not easy, is it? Because you're like, I want to be accepted. I want, I, no one likes to be left out. Now I have a few friends, they just thrive on rejection. You know some people like that? Like I'll say whatever I can just to be rejected by people. <laughs> and they get a kick out of it, but I don't get a kick out of that. I like to be accepted. I want to be wanted. I want to be a part of it. And so when people reject me because I follow Jesus, I'm just being honest with you, it, it, it's not easy. Here's where it, how people end up, what they end up feeling. You feel confused. We're like, oh, I thought if I'd follow God, then I'm doing the right things. People would love me. No, they'll hate you just as much as they hated Jesus. I thought if I did the right things and, and follow, follow, God, follow God with my life and, and made the right choices and, and honored him, then, you know, people would be like, oh, that's great. No, they'll say you're foolish for believing that thing. It gets us frustrated, maybe even angry. We grow angry at this world because we're like, I don't understand it. I don't understand why it's believing these things. Well, how is it heading this direction? And here's what we can tend to do is just to start getting angry and bitter at the world. And then one of the things we can do, there's a few things, we can start to isolate ourselves. Like, you know what? I just don't, this world and I don't collide. I mean, don't, don't get along anymore. We're at, we're, there's this polarization between us and the world. And here's what the church tends to do. We back away and say, okay, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Or we get hostile and start to, instead of coming in love, we start to speak hateful things. And people aren't rejecting Jesus' claim. They're rejecting you. You know why? Because you're just a jerk about it. So they, this happens, or I think the worst of them all, you start to say, I want to be liked. I don't like being the odd person. So you start to bend your beliefs 
and conform to the world instead of conforming and being transformed by the renewing of your mind. But how should we respond, church? When, the church, when people reject us, what should we do? What's, when we look at the way Jesus responded to people and how he interacted, what should we do? Well, there's two things I believe what we should do. It's this. First is have unwavering faith, and the second is to have genuine compassion. Unwavering faith, it means I'm going to stand strong. I'm not going to bend my faith. I'm not going to change my values and my, what I know to be true. I'm going to be unwavering, standing firm. But at the same time, like a coin, on one side you have this faith that's rock solid. I believe it. I'm not going to back down. On the other side is this genuine compassion for lost people. Not, a, not an unwavering faith that says, to heck with the world and everybody else. If you believe that way, I don't want anything to do with you. But on the other side of the coin is this compassion that says, I care about you. And Jesus told us to go make disciples, so I'm going to do whatever I can to interact with you. So we have unwavering faith and genuine compassion. Two sides of the same coin. How do we do that? Because that's not easy. How do you have unwavering faith and genuine compassion? Let me give you a few things. A few things to remember if you're taking notes that can help you have this unwavering faith and genuine compassion. The first thing you need to remember is this. First thing to remember, that rejection for the sake of Jesus is a sign that you're following him faithfully. When you get rejected, first of all, instead of when you get rejected, and you understand, recognize this, recognize that this is a sign that I'm actually doing the right thing. That I'm following Jesus and I'm doing the right thing. It's a sign of it. Jesus said, you will be hated because of your faith in me. Listen, skip to the next slide down after these scriptures, if you don't mind. Look at this quote I have on here. I want you to see this. Can you skip down there? Keep going, keep going, keep going. Well, keep going. There you go, right there. If your faith offends no one in culture, if your faith offends no one, then your faith may be closer aligned to culture than it is with Jesus. Get this. There are churches who want to bend what they believe and what they say and what Jesus says to align with culture, to be accepted by culture. But Jesus says, if you align with me, the culture will hate you. And if you're constantly bending what you believe to line with culture, you're maybe more aligned with culture than you are with Jesus. And you're not hearing the shepherd's voice, you're hearing something else. Now let's look at that. Go back to those scriptures we just skipped over. Look at this. In Matthew 5 and verse 10, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, you're in good company if people reject you because of your faith. Now, I think we have to be careful here. Because some people reject you because of your faith, not because of what Jesus said, but they reject you because you're just an offensive person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about. People just, they're just offensive and, and they aren't kind. But you know what the fruit of the spirit is? Love. The scripture tells, speak the truth in love. Some of you speak the truth in hate. Speak the truth in love, not in hate. 
love and joy and peace and kindness. You know what fruit of the Spirit is? Kindness. If kindness isn't coming out in your interaction with people, then you're not walking in the Spirit. You're walking in your flesh. Kindness. Gentleness. Are you gentle with those who don't accept what you believe? Are you offensive? Good. Are you good to them? How about the last one? Self-control. Do you have self-control in what your words say? So those are the actions of somebody who's following Jesus and loving him, not just being offensive for offensive sake. If you're having reaction for following Jesus, make sure it's for the right reason. The second thing I need to remember is this. Remember to pray for those who reject you. Asking God to work in their hearts and draw them to him. Jesus said this in Luke 6, 27, but to you who are listening, he he says, love your enemies. Love them, right? Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and do what? Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, if you do these things, I want to be your friend. (laughs) Because this is hard, isn't it? (laughs) To love enemies, do good to those who Pray for you. How many of you prayed for your enemies today? Did anybody do that? Good. Some of you did. Man, yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad you did. Praying for your enemies. So Jesus said, this is how you, what you do. You pray for your people who mistreat you. You start to pray for them that God would open their hearts. See, Anne Graham Lott said this, prayer is the key that unlocks the door to the hearts. Prayer unlocks hearts to the lost. Through prayer, we invite God to work. And when we invite him to work, he reveals himself to them. It's in prayer. About 20 years ago when I was a student pastor in in North Carolina, I had a group of teenagers that loved, loved God. They they were like the coin. They were strong in their faith, unwavering, and had a genuine compassion for the lost. And they came to me when their junior and senior year, and there's a group of them that I'm still close to today, and they came to me and they said, Randall, we just are so burdened about our friends. We don't know what to do. And they said, would you open the church doors so we can come and pray for them? I said, yeah, man, well, that's sure. I said, what time do you want to pray? And they said, like 6 a.m. in the morning. I said, well, I got two kids at home and, you know, and I said, but I'll meet you there. And uh, so I would go at 6 a.m. and we had our own building and I could unlock it for them and I'd go in and sometimes I was late and I gave them a key and I'd walk in, there would be teenagers on their face, literally prostrate on their face, just weeping and crying for their friends. And they were just burdened. Now, sometimes they fell asleep because they were laying there on the floor at 6 a.m., but they were serious about their faith and they were praying for them. And, and then they would get done when they get up, they'd be praying and they're like, man, we want to see God move in our teenage and our friends. And, and they prayed and they prayed and prayed and prayed. And they said, we feel like God's calling us to actually do something now. And, and so I said, what do you want to do? And they said, well, we want to have a service, like a worship service for our friends. And, and I said, that's great. And I said, you guys need to lead it. You teach, you preach, you do the worship, you invite. And so they started doing that. They started inviting them and said, on a Friday night, I said, you sure want to do a Friday night? I mean, teenagers, that's their night to do things. I said, yeah, we're the, they'll be here. So they prayed and they prayed and they invited and they planned and on a Friday night, we had a room full, almost 600 teenagers there. Their friends were coming to Christ. 
people, I mean, I had testimonies from this one young lady who was hardcore atheist, did not believe in God, raised that way. She put her faith in Jesus. She became a leader in our youth ministry. Why? Because there were a group of teenagers who got on their faith and on their face and interceded for their friends and said, God, move in their hearts. The best tool we have, the best weapon we have against the enemy is prayer. And when we get on our face, you know what the scripture says? And I reminded them of this because they came to me broken one day. It says, if you sow in tears, you will reap in joy. Are you sowing in tears for your friends, for that lost friend, that one that grew up, you grew up with that has unfriended you now because of your faith? Are you, are you sowing in tears for that son or daughter that totally believes something different from what they were raised from? Are you on your face for them? Praying for them. You know what we all need? We need God to open them their hearts just like he did in your heart. The third thing to remember, remember to respond to rejection with Christ-like love and kindness, even when faced with hostility, when they're violent and they're saying things. You know what our flesh wants to do? Uh, our flesh wants to react hostile. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Years ago, I had a friend who, who would had with, uh, when I first came to be the pastor here and was younger and could do more stupid things outside and not get hurt. <laughs> he would have something called man ski and he would invite all of his lost friends and all of his church friends. And we would go out to the lake and we would just have a, like, it was, it was just night of skiing out on the lake and, um, and he would have this thing, it's like king of the mountain, but on skis. So you'd have two people behind the boat being pulled and the last one standing wins. So you're fighting skiing, right? It's when I was, you know, 20 years younger and could do dumb stuff. So, I, we, so he would do this. And one day he had this man ski and he goes out there, he invites me. There's some bunch of guys there. I don't know. And, and he, he was tended to the church here and, and uh, he would invite all a bunch of lost people. And so we get out there and he, me and this other guy, it's our time to do the man ski. He puts us in the water and then he takes off. I, I, we're not hooked up to anything. He just takes off and leaves us. And I'm like, what's he doing? And the, the guy that was in the water, he said, where's he going? I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's like he had this plot in his head to leave us out there. And he goes off and I start talking to this guy and, and uh, about every other word was cuss word, foul. It was, it was, and he said, so what do you do? And said, well, I'm a pastor. And it was, oh my, I mean, he did just start going off on pastors. He's like, I hate Christians and especially pastors. I'm like, oh, well, great. <laughs> Fun times, right? And, and so, I mean, he kind of starts swimming away a little bit, getting away, you know, and and I'm just like, they're like, hey, man, we're just out here having fun. Let's just have some fun. And about 10 minutes later, my buddy comes back and and we're both like, did you plan to put us out here? He's like, oh yeah. Because <laughs> he knew he hated Christians and I'm pastors and I'm the pastor, right? And so now it's our time to ski and play king of the mountain on the skis, right? Where it talks about good overcoming evil, I beat that man down. 
I really did. I won every time. And, you know, we got back in the boat and he says, well, I guess I got, can't say anything else about pastors, right? But we had a good conversation. And by the night, the time the night was over, man, we had a great conversation. He was asking me about faith. I didn't ridicule him. I did beat him down, but I didn't ridicule him. You know, we had fun, we had conversation. And, and, and again and again, and for multiple times, we got to have conversation. Whatever happened, I don't know with him, but here's what I know. God gave me the opportunity to respond to hostility with kindness. A little bit of kindness, but you know. With, but God uses that. Respond to the hostility with Christ-like kindness. Fourth, through this, remember to be patient understanding that some may need time to come to faith in Jesus. I like to look at it as a scale. Some people are negative 10. Zero is when they come to faith. Some people you talk with, they're a negative 10 in your conversation. Maybe that guy on the boat that day, maybe he was a negative 10. But after me beating him down and having a conversation, maybe he came to a negative nine. And maybe a negative eight, maybe seven. And so everybody's on the scale somewhere. And your conversation, the way you interact with them when they reject you may move them from one negative to a little closer to finally one day they put their faith in Jesus Christ. We don't want to be the person that reacts with hostility and impatience and moves somebody further away from God. Being patient. Listen, the scripture says this, 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. He's on his own schedule, right? Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. If God is patient, you can be patient too. Keep praying, keep trusting him. And finally, remember to humbly recognize your faith is a gift from God. Your faith it's a gift from God and it's not something to boast about. So here's what we tend to do. The longer we're a believer, we start to look like at those who don't believe as less. Or why don't they get it? Why don't they understand? We start to think of ourselves different and even start to think of ourselves better. And they know you think that. So like, well, I don't want to be anything like you. But here's what we need to remember. It is by grace you have been saved. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there you would go also. It is by the grace that you have been saved. You cannot boast and say, well, I'm so glad that God chose me. I'm so glad that I was good enough. Listen, you were the scum of the earth, just like me. And God said, I'm gonna save you. Not because of anything you've done, but because of my own good favor and love, I'm gonna save you. And we can't look at others who reject him with any pride in our heart because what they need to is for God to open their heart, open their eyes, open their mind to the truth and believe in him just like he did in you. So we pray, we be patient, we be humble. We interact with people with humble spirits and we say, God, move in their life. And here's what we'll see. There will be those who believe and those who won't. Let be the reason they don't believe. Don't let it be because of you, but may you be the reason they do believe. And Jesus said this, see the works. If you don't believe in him, see the works and believe. You know what Jesus is telling us to do? Let others see God's work in your life. 
Let your life be the evidence that he's real and the way you treat them, the way you respond to them, the way you interact with them and let them say, God must be real because of what I see in their life and the way they interact. Even when I abuse them, they're kind and they're gentle and they're patient. Let us be living testimony of Christ's love, of faith in this world. Would you pray with me, church? Would you just bow your heads and your, close your eyes for a moment? As a believer in Jesus Christ, like many of you are, let me ask you this morning, let me challenge you this morning. Challenge you to have unwavering faith. Faith that does not shake, that's not bending to this world or isolating itself, but, it, but is compassion, has genuine honest, real compassion for the world. May you be a living testimony to those who don't know him at work, to those who don't know him at school and in your family and in your household. May you be a living testimony of the love of Jesus Christ and of unwavering faith. Is there somebody in your life right now that God has put on your mind and your heart right now that you need to intercede for, that you need to pray for? Maybe even somebody you've offended with your own actions, not with the truth, but just because you've been hostile toward them. Do you need to start praying for that person? Do you need to? You do need to. Say, God, change my heart, change my mind, change their heart, change their mind. Draw them to yourself. Let them hear your voice and follow you. Would you just pray that? Now, if you don't know Jesus, Jesus says this, I am the son of God. And he came to this earth to die for our sins on a cross. And he hung on a cross and even on the cross, while people were persecuting him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's the heart of God, that he loves us even in our sin. But it says all who put their faith in him, he says, I have the right to give them eternal life. And he gives you life eternal if you will put your faith in him and trust him. So right now in this place, if you're listening online, if you're watching here, you're here in this room, just say this, I believe you're the son of God. Come to die for my sins. I put my faith in you. Now help me to follow you as the shepherd of my life. If you just did that, man, that's the best decision you'll ever make. Tell somebody. And in just a moment, you can actually take that white communication card in your seat, write your name on the front. On the inside, it says, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. Take that card at the end of the service, place it in the basket as it goes by. And we're going to follow up with you and help you begin following Jesus with your life. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.